Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. I'm Indy Davis and this week I'll be your host. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of creatives by providing practical advice and insight into the industry. This podcast series features creatives sharing what they do and how they got to where they are. This week's guest is artist and designer Morag Myerskoff and was recorded on October 6th at Something Good Festival in Bristol. So I sit in this other space between design and art. Instantly recognisable for its punchy shapes, bright colours and bold patterns, Morag's work includes installations and immersive spatial designs that embrace community and public interaction, transforming everything from cafes and hospitals to museums and art galleries. My whole thing is about belonging, it's about finding how you get communities to come together to give something that they own. Based in London but often working on location, she fills us in on her traditional graphic design training at both Central St Martins and the RCA. Morag found her own studio in the early 90s serving as her own boss ever since. I work in various different ways. So I work with certain things where I've got thought processes in my head. I do, I work on my own. And then more and more with the big installations and everything, I I collaborate with Luke Morgan and we work varying ways together. She tells us how she's been able to control the evolution of her work. So my mother's a textile artist, my father was a musician. I couldn't play an instrument, so I think that was sort of out of the running. But I was amazingly good at sewing. I could, like, make, sew anything. And I even wanted to do my sitting guilds when I was 10 and stuff like that because my mum was teaching it and da da But then I just, like... I saw the life of a textile artist as well, and I was like, I'm not sure if I want to be that. And, and then I just decided... No, I didn't want to do that. And I had to make my own decision. And so I went and did foundation at St Martin's. But then, because at school I had designed a school badge or something, they directed me into graphics. And although I like graphics, when I was doing it, it wasn't broad enough. For me, when I was at the Royal College, where... They just told me I couldn't do what I was doing. I was designing opera sets and, and they were just like, why are you doing this? You, you're here, you're doing a commercial thing, you need to go and get a job, you know. And, and there's only, unless you're a very brave person and you, you need somebody to encourage you. So when I was at St. Martin's, Jeff Fowle, who was my tutor, he was an amazing guy. He encouraged me and opened my mind up. Then I go to the Royal College and they close my mind up. It's very difficult when you're young. For me, it's been this massive, slow journey of absolutely continually believing in what I wanted to do and then making it happen. So I was told I'd never get a job, so I thought, God, I'd better get a job. So I went to Lam and Shirley, who were doing the next directory. I think the Why Nots did the directory after mine or before mine, I can't remember. I did number three, and I got the job. And then I designed the cover of the next directory three, and I went and saw it on press, and, you know, like from doing crazy, weird collages that I used to do and things, and then suddenly to produce something that was the biggest at that time sheet fed thing it was pretty amazing you know and then the recession started hitting because that was like 88 in 90 I went to work for Michaela DeLuca because 
when I was at college, I was obsessed by Memphis. But I wasn't obsessed by Memphis about what they produced necessarily. I was obsessed by being a polymath. You don't have to be educated in one thing and only do that thing. So then I came back because that was only like six months and then all the boys who were at the Royal College were setting up studios and stuff and then I just thought I want to set up a studio. When I was in Italy I felt there was a glass ceiling for women and even though I really loved it and I designed the Swatch Watch, I wanted to set up in London, I wanted to compete against the boys basically. But I was a bit nervous about doing that on my own. So I remembered this girl, Jane, from the year below me at the Royal College. And so I asked her, would you like to set up with me? Because I tried a little bit doing it. And then I thought, no, we'll be better together. And then she, I remember going to dinner and she said, yeah. And then we had Myerskoff Chip Chase. And it was brilliant because at that time we sort of infiltrated the architectural world where there weren't really very many women. And also the young architects weren't being seen. So we did this whole series of exhibitions with them. You know, it was really good, but we set up in the recession and we saved money. I mean, I'm careful about money and know how to earn money. And we had some saved money, but she was really, at that time, wanting to settle down. And she was like 29 or something. And I wanted to buy computers. She wanted to do her bathroom up. So I thought, OK, this isn't, this is not going to happen. And so she left and went and went, worked at Pentagram. And then it was like, I'm on my own now. What do I do? And then I just thought, okay, I'm going to stay up Studio My School. I just did, you know, work because at different times in your life, in your early 30s, it's about where you live. Are you going to buy a house? What are you going to do? Are you going to have children? What are you going to do? And so you're building up money and various things. But then by the time I got to like 37 or something, I was bored and I wanted to start doing other things. And then I met Luke and, yeah, when I was 37. And then we started doing designer's block and we made all our own products. And then I had a shop in my house called Her House. And that was the seed because I knew how to run a studio and you had to do that work and it wasn't going to sustain me. And that's what I've been doing ever since, really. The designer's block was just an amazing thing. I mean, it's, it's normal now, but at that time, they gave you, just like if you wanted to do crazy things, you could just do it. So I always wanted to design a lamp, but I thought I wasn't good enough because obviously I wasn't a product designer. And then we just did this lamp and everybody liked it. And, you know, and, you know it was just like fascinating and having the shop in my house and in the kitchen. And so I've just always wanted to make my own destiny really I think it is and not be controlled if I was going to give people advice about what to do I think what you've got to do is clearly have a mission in your life about what you want to do and and it's not about style it's not you can be anti things and then things can happen you don't have to follow people you know you follow the way the trend in a way you're actually better being outside that thing because otherwise you end up following something that already exists or trying to be something that already exists so what you should do is really go around absorb and take in everything you can see but then let it rest and let it filter 
And then out of that, you will produce something original. That It's not, I've referenced this, I've referenced that, and it looks like that. It's actually new work that becomes your work, that comes from you, comes from inside. And that's why it's not so easy to always instantly produce work. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Morag Myerskoff. The producer was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible by the support of a number of brand patrons. They include GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. Check out lectureinprogress.com for more details. <laughs>